Thank you, guys. Thanks, Dad, for letting me share today. Let's just uh, open up with the word of prayer. God is so good. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning and so many things that you're doing. Uh, there are things that you're doing in our nation. There are things that are doing in our city. We thank you for that in our families, in our hearts. And let us be aware. Your word said, um, let he who has ears, let him hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying. So you're speaking, but sometimes we just have to make sure that we are intentionally turning to the right frequency because um, you're always working. You're always doing something. You never, you never, uh, you're always making things new. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. You know, we're part of it. The word says that the kingdom, the influence of his kingdom will have no end. So there is not a lesser kingdom that we live in today than what Jesus left us with. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to talk a little bit today about uh, the race of endurance that, that uh, Paul kind of talks to us about. You guys can go ahead and open up your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews is one of my favorite books. Um, I just, to me, there's, uh, if you've been in church a long time, I think that uh, probably Romans and Hebrews uh, would probably speak to you the most. And the reason is, is because um, Paul, we actually don't, there's no label on who wrote to the Hebrews. So we actually actually don't know who actually wrote the book of Hebrews. People assume it's Paul just because it sounds like him and how he words things. But if you look at this writer of, to Hebrews, he's addressing people who have been the Hebrew children. They have been embedded with religion and rituals and the ins and out of church of its day for a long time. Yet the gospel of Jesus had come and the power of Jesus had come and now what he's trying to do, he's trying to teach people who have been in church a long time what it means to be in the kingdom, okay? Because the kingdom had fully come in Jesus, amen? So sometimes, you know, some of the, oh, I don't know why this is, but for some reason, and maybe this is just me, this isn't a subjective opinion, that some of the hardest people in the world to teach are people who have been in church. Because we aren't taught to continue. Um, it's like, and we talk about precept upon precept. Okay, we talk about one thing upon this. Okay. Um, sometimes that there, there's what's called the manifold wisdom of God. Amen. If you guys know what a manifold, manifold means, it means many folds, okay? So if I was to take a blanket or a piece of paper and I was to have it folded up as tightly as it can go, all right? If I was to unfold it, there's a new revelation that you couldn't see before because you unfolded it and now there's a new dimension of truth that you couldn't live in before you unfolded that new dimension of truth. Does that make sense? And it's not until you fully unwrap what he's revealing to you, to you go, oh, wow, well, that, oh, wow, well, that, oh, wow. And it's a part of our testimony. Um, 
one of the things, kind of just piggybacking real quick off what Dad was talking about with Oregon and the um, uh, the pharma pharmacia, that uh, Greek word, uh, and the sorcery. It's uh, when they talk about sorcerers. I even mentioned this in Neum, I think, last week. But um, how many of you guys know that when God created you? How many of you guys know that we are spirit, soul, and body? Is that you know that's correct? Okay. Now, how many of you guys know we have um, the physical part of our body, which is an interface, first of all, with those around us. It's a means by which we can communicate one to another, correct? It's a way that God glories in transmitting presence one to another, okay? When I walk in the room, when, if I'm in a room by myself, I have the presence of myself and anything else that I've experienced in my life or a spiritual realm. However, when another person comes into that room, I now have multiplied that experience by who I am and all their experiences and theirs encounter with the spiritual world. Okay? So... When you have people who are, you know, in, in Oregon and they're, they're legalizing things, um, one of the things that happens, I don't know if you guys know this, is that we have what's called a firewall. We have a, we have a firewall to the spirit world, and that is part, it's embedded, God gave us this, and it's embedded into our conscious, okay? When you take drugs, it starts to reorganize and actually deteriorate the God-given firewall. That's why a lot of people, when they will get into drugs or alcohol or anything like that, what it actually does, they'll start to see things. People will say, well, you're hallucinating. Well, actually, they're actually just removing the spirit firewall and they're seeing into a spirit world. And they start to interact with things. Now, God put the firewall there. He actually wants you to have the firewall. But the enemy loves when you tear the firewall down because he can get in there and he can torment you and he can haunt you and he can lie all sorts of things to you. There have been people who have actually, Jesus, or there, there's been, uh, I should say, testimonies of people who have been totally high, completely high, and then when someone will go up and pray for them, that spirit firewall is immediately rebuilt. God, it's a miracle, and God will rebuild the firewall, and they will come out of their drunken stupor or their high. They will actually rebuild that wall. God actually put that there for a reason, and we want to protect what he's given us. Amen? So I want to, uh, talking about today, and we're going to talk about Hebrews in this race of endurance, um, I think one of, the, one of the hardest or one of the biggest enemies to endurance is distractions. And today I want to talk about I want to talk about distractions. Okay, so do I have your attention? Amen. Is anybody here distracted? How how many distractions distractions can you encounter? Let's say at work. What's a distraction at work? Anybody? You can just yell it out. Phone calls? Gosh, I hate those phone calls, especially when they're sales. Don't they know I'm trying to work? Anyone else? What are some distractions at work? Making fish for lunch? Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Come on. What's, that's, a, that's, that's happened to me 
What is it with people and microwaving tuna? Anyone else? Distraction? How about, how about distractions at home? Kids? Anyone else? The doorbell? Your boss? When your boss calls you at home is the worst. What's that? Phones? Phones can be a distraction. What else? Anything else? TV can be a distraction. What about at church? What can be a distraction? Cell phone can be a distraction. Anywhere else? Talking? Okay. Um, now, I wanna, what I want to do is, uh, as we get into this scripture, I, I want to bring your attention to the first word. Okay? What's the first word there? Does anyone know what the word therefore, what kind of word it is? Whenever you see a therefore in scripture, it means that a thought has concluded, and it's a transitional word that brings you into kind of the conclusion of what this person is talking about. So rather than going and reading chapters and chapters of what he was talking about, I'm just going to summarize, and then I'm going to go into therefore. As we're talking about a race of... um, this race that we are running, and we are actually, he says, um, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Uh, that the therefore that had joined these two thoughts together, he starts to talk about all the people who have gone before in the faith. He talks about Abraham, he talks about Noah, he talks about all these people who have gone through these crazy trials, these crazy moments in their life, and they had to keep going. They could not stop. They actually had faith. They had a promise that they were given. It actually wasn't Jesus. It was a promise that, you know, with, uh, with Noah, it was, hey, rain's coming. Uh, with Abraham, it was a son. Uh, there's just a bunch of different promises he gave to different characters, and he's talking about pursuing the promise that God has given you in your life. And then he says, therefore. Okay, you guys with me? Say amen if you're with me. Okay. So it says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, those are those who have gone before us who are actually watching, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Amen? Okay. Um, there's just three main points that I want to leave you guys with today. But there is something, before I go into those points that I want to address. And with distraction, it's this. There is a race that God has set before you that he has called you, obviously, to run with endurance. There are other races going on that he has not set before you. And it's really easy to get distracted and start paying attention and seeing roads and options that are available that can give you a horrendous detour 
on what God has called you to. It doesn't mean that God can't use those detours, but it can drastically reduce the strength and the endurance that you continue to run with. And the reason why, God can renew your strength. That's obvious. But what the enemy likes to do, well, this is more about reducing the ammunition that you give the enemy to use against you. Because once you start down a road that God has not called you on, and you make your way back, in that experience, in the detour, doubt has the opportunity to say, well, see, you missed it that last time. How do you know the road you're on right now is the right one? Okay? And then you keep going. So that's baggage that you don't want. You know, the enemy cannot haunt you with things in your life that did not happen. He only can haunt you with a memory you have had, not a memory you haven't had. And what he'll try to do is once he has a memory, he'll try to build on that memory and give these crazy made-up scenarios that's basically an anti-hope. It is hope in the wrong kingdom. Amen? So it says this, since therefore, I'm going to read again, since we also are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has set bef- uh, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So this is, we're going to get going here. I don't know if this is going to work. This is you. You're on a road. Okay? It even says it's you. You're running a race. It's a race of endurance. Okay? What, there are three key components that we're going to talk about this race of endurance. Okay? The first thing is this. There's you. There's Jesus. We know because I cropped a Jesus face onto his body. Okay? That is Jesus. What's in front of you? What's in front of you in the race of endurance? What are you running towards? Who are you following after? What are you seeking? I want you to think about the thing that is leading the race that you are on, okay? You will feel the wake of God's presence in your walk. It actually doesn't mean you are happy, and it also actually doesn't mean you are comfortable, but it means your heart has been open to being comforted, okay? Because when you walk in the wake of Jesus... There are what are called, I like to call them these loose frequencies of hope, okay? You know, first of all, his presence is everywhere. But we're talking, we're in this analogy, what we're talking about is, have you ever walked behind somebody and they smell really good? And then they make a turn and all of a sudden the smell's not there anymore? 
or God forbid, they smelled horrible. And they're walking in front of you, and you're like, maybe you're talking with your wife, and you're like, what, what is that smell? And you, you're trying to identify quietly what the odor is. And finally, when, the, when a person in front of you makes a turn, the odor goes away, okay? Well, you will know the odor of his presence because it feels like and it smells like something. It's, you, we know what it smells like. We've been in his presence we know his love. We know the encounter of God's presence, okay? And it's difficult when you're following Jesus and you feel the odor of other people's race and they're following Jesus and there's a wonderful, sweet, sweet presence of God. And God has you on this journey and he has you in your heart. He's trying to lead you through this journey. And what he's done, he's giving you moments of hope saying, keep going, I'm here, keep continuing to pursue me. Amen? So then there's, there's another thing that we have to look at. And here it says, and this is, this is what I think many people miss the most of all. Okay? It's actually, um, if you look at the scripture, we read it again actually says, let's see if I can go back. Can we go back? Okay. Can we read it out loud, everyone? Let's do it again. All right. Therefore, we also, uh, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, there is a word that is mentioned in this passage more than any other word. Us. Here's where I think people screw up the race of endurance. It's not your race. It's our race. You don't have a race to run. We have a race to run. The race of endurance is not a a singular calling that you go and you do by yourself. If you aren't in this race in community, you will not make it. It is part of the nature of God to be more than one person. It is part of the nature of every believer to be more than one person. You cannot believe and it not be we believe. Part of the unity of God and what he's calling to is for all creation to come into the place of unity. If you are running, a ra- if, you th- if you in your mind think you have a race to run, you have already lost because you have tied yourself to a place of isolation and now you, you've already lost. 
one of the things that, in my opinion, has crippled what we know as, as the church is the need to be uh, the need to um, overly celebrate our individualism. Okay, I'm I'm so glad that we have varying gifts, but you're a part of the same body. All right, I don't walk up to a person and be like, "Oh my gosh, your hair is like amazing, but the rest of you just stinks." No, look. It's a part of the same drawing. We are his workmanship, okay? This is our race that we run together. And if you think you can run this race by yourself, you, look, you'll be able to run it, but it won't be a race of endurance. It'll be a race of pride. Because when it comes down to it, it's about you. You don't care how other people are doing. Because, hey, I'm, 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 I'm doing my own thing. Me and Jesus. Yeah, but he didn't call you to run a race by yourself. He called to run it with one another. When you hurt, I hurt. Amen? When I, when I rejoice, you rejoice. You know what's very difficult is when we don't... It's hard when, as in the body, when, uh, uh, you know, Jesus says to to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. What feels weird and even uh, divisionary is when you have one person rejoicing and the other person's jealous of their rejoicing, or you have a person hurting and the other person is trying to get them out of their hurt. It's just as bad. The body needs to learn to go through the seasons in an honorable way, both up and down. All right. Amen. And this is a a video that um, there's no audio that needs to be played. I'm just going to walk you through it. Um, This is a video uh, that was taken of a race here, um, uh, a track. And here you have this rider who had broke away, man. He just was, if you look, he's like uh, maybe 150 feet. And here he comes. He comes, and I don't know if you saw the guy ringing the bell. There's the guy ringing the bell, and he crosses, he crosses the finish line, and he just starts to celebrate, and here he is, and he is, yes, he's so excited, and he finishes, and he doesn't realize something. That bell wasn't the finish line bell. It was the last lap bell. He went from first place to 127th. Because he tried to run the race of endurance by himself. He forfeited accountability and he lost the race. There's another, there's another. Now this, these guys just kept going. How are you doing? How are you doing? Are you, I'm, I'm going to keep going if you're going because we're running this thing together. Amen. If you think you're in this by yourself and if you, if you're on the race and no one's around you, You're in an unhealthy place. You need to find the group who is in the race of endurance. Amen? Look around you. These are people who are in a race of endurance. Are you joined with them? Amen? There's another another video that I saw. I couldn't find it, but it was, um, I I was watching it live, and I don't, it was, I think it was the Olympics, 
But there were, I don't think it was the Tour de France, um, but there was America was in the lead, and he, this guy was in the lead more than 100, oh no, more than like two miles. And here you had him, he's all by himself, and about two miles back, there were three or four other riders. I knew it wasn't two. It was like three or four riders. Two of the riders were from the same country, I know, and there was another uh, individual country, and I don't remember if there was a fourth or not. But here you had these four that were riding their cycles, and here you have this guy who's two miles ahead. And when you watched from this aerial view of what was going on, I couldn't believe how much the guy in first, who was so far ahead, was falling back in his own isolated stride. And do you know the reason why? It's because that cluster of riders, what were they doing? They were drafting. They were riding in the wake of the victory of the person in front of them. When you're in a group of believers, one person's in the back, but they're right next to the person, riding close in that draft where the wind has been divided and broken. They did the hard work. The wind has been broken, and then that everyone behind that person rides in the draft and in the wake of a lesser air resistance. And they are able to retain and build the energy so when it's their turn to go in front, they now can give rest to the person. And as a body of Christ, you have to think of the wake of the person in front of you. I don't know if you know this, but think about your friends right now. Think about your four closest friends. Which one of them is going through the most pain and which one is encountering the most victory? Because I want to let you know it's usually seasonal. You'll have one person that there's just seven, eight things just break through, break through, break through. And you're like, whoa, it is really important that the people who are not experiencing the breakthrough stay close to the person who is breaking the wind of doubt and creating a wake for victory and faith, it's an environment of faith for them to build their endurance. Because that person, that's harvest time will have an end. And they're going to fall back. And it's going to be your turn. So we move together as one. Amen? So it's not about you it's not your race let us let us run the race of endurance that was set before us and the last thing is this it says to do this lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. Okay? There is something that you have to leave behind. 
in your race of endurance. You can have Jesus ahead of you. And if you don't have Jesus ahead of you, I don't know what race you're in. But I'd love to invite you into the race he's calling you to do. There's, a, there's an amazing plan that he has for you. But he, if he's in front of you and you don't have people around you, um, you're going to get really tired and the presence of God is going to become more distant because you need the draft of the people around you. But if you have the people around you, but you haven't laid aside every weight, you're going to weigh everyone else down. Strongholds create an environment of other people and can actually confuse the growth of people around you. Because we actually do think of ourselves as a collective singularity. Okay? We're together. We are joined. We are one. We're part of one body. But when there is a, a, hidden, a hidden weight Maybe you put some, you know, extra weight in your water bottle for some reason, okay? And everyone's like, man, come on, you're, you're stronger than this. What's going on? You got some, what's going on? Come on, you, you're faster than this. you better than this. Come on, what's up? I'm just tired. Well, it's possible for you to hide stuff away that's actually slowing the whole community down. Now, that's not intended to be a, a means of condemnation. That is more a, a means of observation, it's more, I'm just trying to state that factual, not, not as a means to condemn anyone, okay? It is better for you, it is better for everyone around you, that you put things down that you shouldn't be taking with you. Because you're called to run a race of endurance, and I just want to let you know if you're, if you're holding on to, I love when it says in one of the versions it says, laying aside uh, the shame Laying aside shame. It does say laying aside sin, but um, those two words, it says lay aside every weight. That word is the, is the word burden. If you're carrying a burden and you're not casting it off of you, then you're not going to be able, your endurance is going to be easily depleted. I'm, not, I'm just saying, it's just, it's kind of obvious, okay? But, and then it says, talk about every sin. It says, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. That word sin is the word error. It, you guys know what error means. It's, uh, error is faulty thinking. It's wrong thinking. Sin is in actions. That was Old Testament. New Testament, sin it happens in the mind. If you want scripture, look at this. Look at what Jesus told um, you know it's uh, the word that says do not murder, but I say to you, if you hate a man, you have committed murder in your heart. Where does that hate your brother come from? It's a thought. It is a, it's a battle in the mind between the enemy for you to create division and you agreeing with that thought, that thought of hatred creates an environment of murder, I don't have to kill you. I'm just going to think you're a total butt. I'm just going to, I'm going to hate you in my heart. That can create an environment for, that's a reduced lifestyle. That's called error. 
It's called sin. Sin is wrong thinking. Repentance is changing the way you think. Does that make sense? It means to change one's mind. For you to go from thinking in error to thinking right usually happens because you have experienced the goodness of God. The word says it's the goodness of God that leads us to a change of our mind. People who experience an amazing encounter with Jesus have stepped into a room where repentance is possible. It is optional, but usually it's unrefusable. It's that good. So here you have a weight or sin that has ensnared you. These three components are, I think, key in running a race of endurance. Having Jesus, who's the author and finisher, in front of you. He's the one you're focused on. You know what? You know who's not supposed to be the person you're focusing on? Us. I, I love us. I love our community. But I'm actually not supposed to model you. Paul does say, follow me as I follow Christ. He's giving a, an example of what it looks like for new believers. And as you're on this journey, though, you're all mimicking Christ. You're all looking at, we, we hold each other accountable, one to another. Amen? You don't want your sin in front of you. Your error. You don't want wrong thinking to be brought on the journey. If something keeps dragging you down, if, if your endurance, if you, if you are going back and forth, you need to um, assess the things that are in your race of endurance. Do you have Jesus where he needs to be? Do you have a collective community that is creating a drafting environment for you to ride in the wake of your community's vision and uh, victory and the resources that they have? And have you laid aside every weight and wrong thought, sin, error that so easily ensnares you. And that word um, easily ensnares is actually the phrase skillfully surrounds. You understand that sin and the weight, the burden, skillfully positions itself around you to where when the Holy Spirit starts working and starts creating a way the enemy is going to try to jump in front of that door and be like, you can't know this. That won't work, because if you go out this door, if you just forgive that person, then what? Then you're going to be more hurt the next time around. And OK, well, I can't forgive that person. That won't work. Well, well what if what if the, no, 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 you can't go over here. See, the enemy wants to entrap you. That's why it's called a stronghold. He tries to create the illusion because that's all he can do. It creates the illusion of stagnation. Hell is a place with nowhere to go. And when you agree that you are stuck, you have just created faith for a very lonely place. 
and what the God has given you, he has the keys. He has all authority. And the enemy has none. It takes faith in one kingdom or the other to walk in the benefits of one kingdom or the other. So God wants us to, as Paul, or the writer of Hebrews here says, to lay aside the weight that we, us, we won the race. And the re- that we, how we do it is we look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? Amen. Thank you, guys. I want to pray uh, for you guys before we go. There's actually one verse left, and it's, it's the next verse here. If you guys have your Bibles open, it's, uh, it's Hebrews chapter 12, and it's actually verse 3. Um, it says, For consider him, this is Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And it says, uh, so I just want to encourage you guys that pursuing Jesus is actually a way to pursue in the victory that he has, he has provided victory. I, I wish victory could be better articulated because for me, victory comes in the mind. I don't know how many of you guys are thinkers. Do we have any, like, does anyone ever think through their problems here? Do we have any, would you consider yourself, I like, you just love logic. You just love the process. Um, Do you ever do any um, uh, mental sparring with other people? Anyone here do mental sparring just for fun? Okay. How many of you guys love a good dichotomy? Does anyone know, love a good mystery? Cliffhangers, anyone? You love things that aren't quite complete. Gives you just enough, but now you need a little more. Well, I just, um, there's this amazing thing that God calls us into, and and it is a mystery um, that comes to do with, you have to learn how to mentally spar against yourself. And here's the reason why I want to encourage you to learn how to mentally spar against yourself. Do you guys know what sparring is? Have you ever you know what you know what sparring is? Okay, have you ever seen the battles where you know two guys are just kind of you know fencing and they're sparring, they're just going one one to another. Do you know God has called you to learn how to spar? It's practice. So when the enemy actually does come in, you know what he sounds like because you have learned to identify what a fight looks like. And you can have a lot easier victory. I think people agree with their own opinions too often. If you agree with your own opinion, whenever you have a confrontational opinion, you won't know what to to do with it. But the more you learn how to be objective and be subjective towards your own opinion, and this is a beautiful phrase, I could be wrong. Once you learn the possibility that you could be wrong, you have opened yourself up to, the, to learn how, honestly, how the enemy works. Because the enemy will agree with you, and then he'll give you a little division, and then a little more, and before you know it, you're on some way whack-off detour. 
It's just the way he works. He just does a little bit. But he'll put something in there just to get you to agree. Okay? Has God said you shouldn't eat of this fruit? Did he say that? Did he really say that? See, he'll ask questions that you would agree with. But then he just, once now he has your engagement, now he can get you a little off. With yourself, as you're going through the day-to-day, you need, it helps to learn how to really learn how to question why you think what you think. God, what you told me this, teach me, Holy Spirit, what you mean by this. And do you know what's amazing for that? Is the Bible has given us teachers to expand on Scripture, have given us leaders and the community around us. Because again, this is our walk. Amen. Awesome. So, Father, I just thank you for this morning, and I thank you for thank you for uh, just the walk and the race that we are running together. Let us know that we don't have to be alone. That we don't have to um, carry the weight of our past or even the fears of our future with us that you in your perfect love gives us the rightful license to lay aside every weight and to cast off fear so heavenly father i thank you that your presence has invited us into um, lord endurance uh, the attributes of our god you you're not a distant god you're very present in your presence actually makes us like you and when we once we look upon you we become like you so father i thank you for drawing us close to you in jesus name amen amen is there's anyone who would love to have just some connection time or some prayer we would love to pray with you but uh make sure you encourage one another right now uh there's a there's a lot of faith and thoughts that have been built up, and the Holy Spirit would love for you just to open up your hearts and touch one another and bless one another. Amen?